Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. You know, I was thinking back, um, back when our first son was born, it was 1974, and I remember Paris and I went to these, I guess it was new at the time, these Lamaze classes, and they were, they were teaching us, teaching Paris and teaching me how to breathe, you know, so it was all this breathing stuff, you know, and learn how to breathe, and, and then, you know, I kept focused on that all throughout the whole childbirth thing. But when my son was born, what did, the first thing he did was breathe. So took in air. First time he breathed air into his lungs after he was born. He took a breath and he was alive. You know, and this, this is, this is a creation. All of creation is a picture of spiritual reality. This very essence of life is a picture this breath of life is a picture of us learning the importance of breathing in the wind of God on a daily basis. It's what Jesus said to his disciples that first resurrection day, gathered with his disciples. What did he breathe on them? And said, receive the Holy Ghost. And they breathed in. They began to breathe in the essence of God. It's this breathing is Breathe, learning to the, you might, this sound, might sound so fundamental to you, but it, beca- it has to become part of your, your daily activities. It might start as something that's very intentional, and then it becomes subconscious to you. Where you breathe. You're breathing in. You know, it says in Acts 9 that Paul was breathing in and breathing out obscenities. All of us have lived in that world before. That we were breathing in and breathing out foul, Foul culture. Our culture, our very breath of our life was foul. And the way we lived was foul. We tried to cloak it with a, with a civilized cloak, but it was rotten to the core. Until we were washed in the blood and he infused life into us. And then we have to start breathing. And we have to start breathing in a different climate than the one we used to breathe. We're breathing in life. We're bringing in God. We're breathing in this intimacy, this fellowship, this life of God that flows from the throne of God. This life that's the very life of the unity of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost that they've lived in from eternity, whatever that is. They've lived in that. And they emanate that. And and when we're purchased and become part of their family, we begin to enter into this life, this breathing life. Receiving. Come on, say. Try it. Breathe in the life of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So I'm going to talk some more about this fellowship. And for those in the back doing the overhead, you have to bear with me. I'm skipping to First John and my notes. The supernatural, the supernatural. Koinonia fellowship is supernatural. It's connected to the testimony of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus in your life. Jesus began to do something in your life. For me, it was 1973. For you, it was another date. But his testimony began to be living in my life. The testimony of Jesus, the life of God in the soul of this man, began to express himself in August of 1973. The testimony of Jesus. Now, let's listen to this. First John chapter 1 out of the Passion. 
John says, we saw him with our very own eyes. We gazed upon him and heard him speak. Our hands actually touched him. The one who was from the beginning. Wow. The one who was from the beginning. The living expression of God. This life giver was made visible and we've seen him. And we testify to this truth. The eternal life giver lived face to face with the Father and has now dawned upon us. He lived face to face with the Father from eternity and now he's invaded our worlds in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of Man and Son of God. So we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. See, that's the only thing that we can share with someone that will make a difference. We've tasted something. We've entered into a fellowship. We've entered into a fellowship, a spiritual fellowship. And what you've tasted of God is what you share with other people. Silver and gold have I none, but that which I have, I give to you. Peter was saying, I've tasted something, something precious, something real. This thing that they call a fellowship, the fellowship of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I've tasted it, and now I'm sharing it with you. We come together to share that fellowship. In a few minutes, we're going to take communion and and share the most intimate part of our Christian experience. It can't be. It can't be participated in by a single person. We participate in this corporately. We participate in this fellowship of Jesus. So he says, now it's dawned on you. The eternal life giver lived face to face with the Father has now dawned upon us. So we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard about this life giver. So that we might share and enjoy this life together. That we might share and enjoy this life together. Yeah, we, we surround ourselves now with, with men and women of like and precious faith. Others that have tasted this same life that we've tasted, that enjoy this fellowship that we taste. That's what life groups are about. It's sharing together this testimony of Jesus that we love. That's why we participate with the body of Christ. That's why we're interrelated in various ministries and in small groups throughout the city all throughout the week. Because we want to participate and share together and enjoy together this life of God that's breathing in our souls. Amen. For truly, for truly, everyone say for truly. Say it again, for truly, our fellowship Our koinonia, our communion is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. John says, I have been brought into this fellowship. I was chosen by Jesus to walk with Him and He he brought me into this fellowship that's that's mind-boggling. He had a, a continual... John began to get a glimpse of it over and over through the years. And now as he's writing this letter, he's blown away. He's saying this one that's lived face to face with the Father from eternity became one of us. I saw Him physically. I touched Him. I ate with Him. I leaned on His breast. I saw him after he was raised from the dead. I was an eyewitness of his resurrection. I was there when he suffered and died on the cross. I was there and went into the empty tomb. I saw him that evening when he was raised from the dead. My hands touched him and I ate with him after he was raised from the dead. He ascended into heaven and now he's poured out on me this life that he's enjoyed from eternity. Now I have this life inside of me. 
Now, I cannot say that I've seen Jesus with my physical eyes, the human Jesus. He's not on earth today. He's in heaven, seated at the right hand of God. But just as John saw him with his physical eyes and touched him with his physical hands, he put his hand on my life. I touched him. He touched me. I saw him with my eyes of faith. I felt his love pour over me just as real. Oh, yeah, you you can try to convince me that it's not true. Impossible, impossible, because I, I know what has happened in my life. My testimony is my life. My testimony is my life. Your testimony of Jesus is your life. Have you tasted for yourself this love of God? Have you tasted for yourself this mercy of God? Are you drinking from His cup on a daily basis, drinking this love in, this testimony, this precious treasure that we have, this life that flows from the Father, this very life that flows from the Father and the Son, this Holy One, this Holy Ghost that flows into us every day. This is our fellowship. This is the life of God at Victory Fellowship, this local church. It's the life in my soul. It's the life in us corporately. It's the life in His universal church. We've been made participants of this common faith. Now listen. Communion with the Trinity. You ready to step on holy ground with me? You might have to take your shoes off. You're going to step on holy ground. You know, if you're not, if you're not careful, you can miss this verse. This is like the closing line in 2 Corinthians. It's not just a clothing line, though. There's, there's theology just permeating this verse, this one verse. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, speaking of the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, or the fellowship, the participation, the koinonia of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Now this... This is amazing. So we've, we've partaken of this life. How do I continue in this life? How do I continue in it individually? And how do I continue in it corporately? How can I, you know, it's, this is not just a, a one-time shot. It's not just something that happened to me on the lakefront in 1973. And now one day, whenever my day comes, when my ticket's pulled, then I'm going to go to heaven. In the meantime, I'm just doing whatever I jolly well please in this life. No, it was the beginning, an entrance into a new life. I came out of one life. I came out of the other life when I was drinking that other, that other drink. I was drinking in profanity and outcoming was profanity. I was, I came into another fellowship. I was introduced to another lover, another life, another body, another family. But how can I continue in it? How can I? Let me give this, this thought to you. This, um, the end of this blog, for the back, this is the end of this blog that I wrote. Talking about Jonathan Edwards was talking about how we can continue in this. He says we have to drink. We have to drink. We have to drink of this life. This is a daily drinking. You can call it breathing. You can call it drinking. It's intake. There has to be continual. 
For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. And touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you and will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. He wants to dwell amongst us corporately. He wants to get the filthy relationships out of our lives. Now, look at this unequally yoked thing. I want to, I have a definition for you from Adam Clark. Adam Clark says that this word yoked is a military term, he says. It says to mean, it says it means to keep in your own ranks or stay in your lane. Do not leave the Christian community to join in that of the heathens. Stay in your lane, Christian. The verb heterozygon signifies or yoke signifies to leave one's own rank, place or order and go into another one that you don't belong in. And here it must not signify not only that they should not associate with Gentiles in their idolatrous feast, but they should not apostatize from Christianity. In other words, what what he's saying for time's sake, what Paul is saying is, is that we've been we're joined together Intimately, spiritually, there's a union that takes place in the body of Christ. And when we seek to have that same union with people that aren't drinking of the same thing, it causes all sorts of problems in our lives. Unequal yoke, it, it affects, makes the, the worst mistake you can ever make is to join yourself to someone in marriage. Now, if you've already, if that's already, if you're already married to an unbeliever, God will take care of that. He says that they're sanctified, but I'm not talking about people that are married and get saved. I'm talking about young people that are not, you're not married right now, and you're a born-again Christian. Make sure that you join together with someone of like and precious faith that has their focus on Jesus and the things of God. Don't make the mistake that's going to destroy your life. In, in the same way, in the same way, businessmen, avoid, avoid yoking yourself to unbelievers. They have a different purpose. They have different, they have different convictions. They have different goals. Avoid making organic relationships with the lost can cause some serious problems. Uh, we're running out of time. I've got, I want to just give you a couple other thoughts before we take communion. Yeah, the fellowship of the ministry. I love this. Second Corinthians. Moreover, brothers, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability and, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. The fellowship... There's a partnership. There's something that happens with people who are bound together in Christ that begin to minister together to hurting people. There's a union that's found nowhere else. That's why, that's why Feed the Multitudes is such a precious time. It's an opportunity for us corporately to drink together and serve together. Christ is reaching out through us to ter- touch hurting people. But this is more than one day a year. This is a, a lifestyle that we enter into as a body. 
I would encourage you, life groups, to find yourself a ministry to connect yourself to that sporadically throughout the year, whether it's ministering to the to the meal after church service or, or with Mary's song or going to Metairie Manor or some other minute place opportunity for ministry. Go together as a life group from time to time and minister together. I'm telling you, you serve together. Something happens. Com- commit yourself to, to go and feed the people after church one Sunday as a group. Commit yourself to go to give out groceries as a group. Go commit yourself to go to the French Quarter outreach to, to minister to people. You know, you know, we're talking about unprecedented acts of God. It's going to break loose in the quarter. I'm telling you. It's going to break loose in the quarter. It's going to be shocking what's going to happen. I'm telling you. Oh, yeah, you can say, oh, it's easy to say that. You watch. It's going to shock people what's going to happen. It's going to break loose in the quarter. As a matter of fact, um, uh, our brother Robert Presser is going to be ministering tonight. I'm sure you're going to hear about some of that. I want you to come tonight. He's going to lay hands on people and minister the word. But something's going to have something's about to break loose. It's going to this French quarter ministry is going to become a sign and a wonder. People are going to sit around, and scratch their heads at what God is going to do. And yeah. And your group could go down and be part of that from time to time. I'm telling you. So the fellowship. But let me give you a couple other thoughts and we're going to. Take communion. Philippians 3.10. This is, I, I love, this is, this is a shocking phrase Paul used in Philippians 3.10. That I might know him. That I might know him. That I might know him. And, and the power of his resurrection. And the what? And the what? The fellowship of what? His sufferings. This is Paul's prayer. He said, I press on. I'm leaving behind that stuff that I had. I'm pressing on that I can know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, I feel pretty confident in saying this. Not everybody in this church is going to ever experience physical persecution. You could. But it's probably that. You're probably not going to be beat for for the name of Christ. You're probably not going to be in prison. It could happen, but you probably aren't going to be in prison for the name of Christ. But if, but if you live for Christ, if you connect yourself to this body and associate with this body unashamedly, and you share your faith with people, you will experience what Paul's talking about. The fellowship of his sufferings. They will mock, they will laugh. You might, it might even cost you. From time to time, it could cost a, a job opportunity. But God will provide something better than that. It could cost customers, but God will provide something better than that. It can cause people to look at you sideways. It can cause people to criticize you and mock you and laugh at you. But you know something? When you begin to participate in the rejection that Paul called suffering for the name of Christ, there's something that happens there. It's a fellowship. We are, we are joined together with all those that have gone before us that have lived for, for Jesus. There is a fellowship and an enjoyment of his presence. When you're being mocked for the name of Christ, Jesus said, rejoice, for the spirit of glory rests on you. There's a fellowship there. It's part of, it's part of what Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him deny himself and pick up his cross and follow me. He that seeks to save his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake shall find it. There is a life, not only in the life to come, but if there's a better life, a happier life, 
here in this world, when you stand for Christ and bear His shame, there's a joy that comes with that. We'll finish with this because we're going to take communion right now. 1 Corinthians 10. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing, a participation, a communion in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a communion, a koinonia, a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there's one bread... We who are many are one body, for we all partake of this one bread. We are participants. This morning, we're going to distribute the bread and the drink. And together, we're going to share the body and the blood of Jesus. What are we celebrating when we do that? We're celebrating this union that we have that was purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. We're sharing this oneness that we've been brought into, this life of God that's in each of our souls. We're sharing this corporate oneness, this drink that we have, this intimacy, this life that we enjoy, that we're going to enjoy forever. Joint participants in the fellowship of Jesus. Bone of His bone. Flesh of His flesh. I'm going to drink in His presence. You know, this is... Kind of a strange thing. I saw this on the internet this morning. This guy got himself all, I guess it was like a Halloween costume thing. He was dressed up, dressed up like Jesus. But I mean, this wasn't, he looked, he really looked like Jesus. He was dressed up like Jesus. He, he thought this guy could be on, in, a, in a movie and you'd think this was the real deal. He was dressed up like Jesus. But he had a little thing, a twist that he added to it. He had himself a hover skateboard. And it was covered over with a cloud. And the guy had obviously was good at skateboarding. He was going around, I think it was in San Francisco, going around on this cloud, dressed as Jesus with a thing of bread, carrying this bread. And he's going out to the, in the homeless community, taking off pieces of bread and giving bread out to the, the people in the homeless community. I thought, this guy, is, this is a creative, creative evangelism. Whoever this dude is, something else. But the thing that was so funny, you could hear this guy, he, this one that he went up to this one homeless guy and he gave him a piece of bread. And you could hear this guy, this, this homeless guy laying on the side of the street in San Francisco. He yells out, thank you, Jesus. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Well, he's about to give you some bread this morning. He's about to give you some wine this morning, some drink from heaven. And what are we going to say? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at www.victoryfellowship.net for service times and for more information.